on this day where we get to celebrate St. Patrick's mission, which is worthy of celebration for sure. Um, the two words are joy and pilgrimage, joy and pilgrimage. And so let's talk a little bit first about joy because I want to I want to name something that might be somewhere in the room, and I'm not going to say it's in anybody's head, but I want to make it clear. You, 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 some of you may, in the back of your mind somewhere, think, Mark, why, how could you have joy? Because this is an ending. So how do you have joy at this moment? Um, well, I want to disabuse you of that notion. I want to disabuse you of that notion because this is not an ending. This is not a failure. I, I, now, let me take a step back and say, all along the way, like when we first began, I, Reed was on staff with me. I always tell, I tell Reed, Reed's like, well, what's going to happen? What, what's going on? Is this going to work? And I was like, you know what? Failure is an option. It, it is a full possibility. But this is what I know. St. Patrick's people responded to a call to go and were obedient. Where is their failure? people. That is the kingdom. If you want the kingdom of God, you hear the call and you go and obey. And that is the kingdom. So I'll tell you, not only is it not a failure, it's not an ending. Does the kingdom end? No. Now it is a transition. Okay. Let's, let's say that too. And there is sadness in that transition. There are so many unanswered questions for us, for those, especially those of us who've been in it for a while. We don't know why it hasn't worked the way we thought it would. I'll give you an image of that from pilgrimage. So in 2006, a small group of us from King of Kings, we went and did a pilgrimage in, in Santiago, um, to, to Santiago in Spain. And we were trying, a group of, there was two groups of us, and we divided along the way because one group got tired and they took the bus back. And we were, there was a few of us left, and we were determined to walk the whole way. Well, about 200 kilometers out, I got a really nice blister. I mean, really nice. I mean, it, there was a day where I took my shoe off and everything just sort of fell out and it was like death. It smelled like death. And I, was, and I thought, you know, we might not make that last 200 kilometers after all. And um, we had to do some minor surgery on my, well, I had to do it myself. But anyway, that's a whole nother. <laughs> you can ask Mark Hood. He saw the video. It was pretty gnarly, pretty gnarly. Um, so... All that to say is that we had wanted to make that and we couldn't, and, it, it, and there was sadness there. But, but what happened was we went back to Santiago and we began to entertain, um, which was already going on. We joined in, in hospitality to pilgrims. And so it changed, but the mission went forward, you see, because the whole mission was to love the people on pilgrimage along the way. And we just did it in a different place in a different way. And I think that's exactly what's happening with St. Patrick's. I think we're going to do it in a different way and in the, in the, in, than we have been. And there is some sadness to that. And I think that that's okay, but it is not an ending. It's a transition. That's important to keep in mind. And even in the sadness, there is joy. Even in the sadness, there is joy. Because that's what's so good about our God. You know, happiness depends on circumstances. That's what happiness depends on. Joy comes from the Lord. And he gives it in all circumstances. So we can have joy. And joy and pilgrimage are found together in Psalm 84. I want to keep an eye on the time so I don't talk you to death. 
I'd rather talk you to life. The jokes are the same. The pilgrimage might change, but the jokes don't. I don't know if you, 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 you heard it probably differently in, in this version that we had read because it, it talks about this idea of blessedness. Um, and I think that's a great way to think of it too. But I really like how the New Living Version translates it. And I want to read you a couple of things here. It begins, well, let me take one step back because I want to talk just for a moment about the rhythm of Psalm 84. Because this is the rhythm that, the, that one of the things that I believe St. Patrick's has gifts to offer to the body of Christ. We come bearing gifts. Beware. No. <laughs> one of the gifts we offer is pilgrimage, the rhythm of pilgrimage. And what that means is this. You heard it in the psalm. It starts what? They're in the house of the Lord. They're praising the Lord. They're worshiping the Lord. They're saying, Lord, you dwell here, and this is such a great place. But it doesn't stop. The next scene is they're going out into the valley. It says in, in the version we heard today, it says the valley of Baca and the, the new living. I love it. It says the valley of weeping. They go out into the, they, they set their hearts on pilgrimage and they go out into the valley of weeping. And then it says what? They come back to the house of the Lord and they, they, they behold his glory. It's this beautiful picture. It's so it's so beautiful about the, the, the Lord's dwelling place that they're even, even the birds are coming to nest there. There's, there's this picture of new creation is bursting forth where God is worshiped. But then that is carried by the people of God into the valley of darkness and woe and weeping. And it transforms that place. And then they come back again rejoicing. The pilgrim's rhythm is what we offer you. And really, folks, it's what an Anglican service does. Anglican worship brings you in to the presence of the Lord fully. And it sends you back out with his life. And then it calls you back. And the reason that's so important is because if we are going to be poured out, we're going to need to be filled up. And I want to, this is off the topic, but I just want to encourage you for a second. If you feel a little stuck in your church life right now, if you feel like I don't have the joy I used to have, I want to encourage you to do one thing. Find somewhere to be poured out for the kingdom of God. Find out what he's calling you to do and obey it and let him pour you out. And you come on Sundays, you will be filled with joy. I guarantee it. If you don't, if it doesn't work for you, I will give you your money back. (laughs) Since I haven't given you any, that'll be easy. But there's threefold joy in this psalm. And this is what I want us to, to sort of focus on for a few moments. I'm going to have to get my glasses out. That's, that is truly sad. <laughs> How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies. I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, body, and soul, I shout joyfully to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow builds her nest and raises her young at a place near your altar. O Lord of heaven's armies, my King and my God, what joy for those who can live in your house, always singing your praises. That's the first joy. The first joy is being a people who dwell in his presence. If we are that people, we will be joyful. That's where joy is. It doesn't depend on our circumstances. It doesn't depend on that. It depends on if we're in his presence, if we're dwelling where he dwells. Here's the next joy. 
What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage. When they walk through the valley of weeping, it becomes a place of refreshing springs. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessings. They will continue to grow stronger. And each of them will appear before God in Jerusalem. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord. See, that's the next one, right? The joy is that the Lord gives the strength for pilgrimage. The Lord of heaven's armies is with us and he is for us. For what? Not for us, for pilgrimage to go in the valley of weeping. We as a people too often lament and say, the world, look, the world is such a mess. God, why aren't you fixing it? And you know what God's saying? Why aren't you? Why aren't my people going into the valley of weeping? Why are my people going where no one else wants to go with the light and the love of Jesus Christ, which changes everything? Folks, we at St. Patrick's Mission are still going to do that. We might be doing it in a different way, but that's who we are and that's what we're going to do. And there'll be opportunities for you to come and do stuff. We're going to do VBS this summer. Come and do VBS with us. There'll be opportunities because we're still going to live that way because that's who we are. But folks, I want to tell you, it's who you are too because that is the Christian way. It is pilgrimage and there's joy in that. And when you live that way, you will be poured out and you will need to come back again and again into his presence to be filled. And that's where the psalm ends. For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. O Lord of heaven's armies, what joy for those who trust in you. Let's pray. Lord, we rejoice to be in your house to worship you. And we not only worship you with our words, but with our lives. And we join with you on pilgrimage to go into the places of weeping and to bring the light and life and love that you offer us. We set our minds on pilgrimage. We set our hearts on pilgrimage, receiving your strength. And Lord, no matter what happens, no matter what it looks like, Lord, we trust you because you are good and our joy is in you. And we lift ourselves to you. We lift St. Patrick's mission to you. We lift King of Kings. We lift the body of Christ in this city to you right now. And we say, we offer these to you for your glory. And we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Two sermons for the price of one. Mark, it is so good to have you here again, spurring us on to mission, and it is a real joy to hear your jokes again. <laughs> so I was thinking about this Sunday, kind of out of the blue, my thoughts were directed um, to a particular scripture. I don't know what that's like when that happens to you, but I often interpret that as the Lord leading me to something. And the passage that my mind went to, um, it's not the gospel reading for the Sunday, it was Luke 10 where uh, Jesus sends out the 72 disciples into mission. There's a lot of good material in that passage about uh, mission, kingdom mission, and ministry. Uh, Jesus begins that with these words, 
Uh, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the harvest, to the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into his harvest. Well, for years, prayers have gone up for East Charlotte, from all sorts of people, no doubt, but certainly from Mark and Jessica Landon. It's not a place of abundance in strong gospel thriving churches. There are some. Uh, It is a place where cultures collide. It's a a fault line. That's how Mark has described it in the past. Uh, Several years before St. Patrick's was ever planted, uh, God strategically led Mark and Jessica to this place. He gave them a powerful uh, vision from the Lord, and they have continued in their prayers for a harvest in that part of Charlotte, that very special place of Charlotte. They themselves were and are laborers, but other laborers were needed, and God answered those prayers in part some five years ago now, well, over five years ago, when St. Patrick's was planted. As Mark said, you guys answered the call. You have been these laborers in the harvest, and it is very hard work, as all kingdom ministry is. It's very patient work. And you don't always get to see the, the, the visible results that you might have hoped for. But we trust that it's the Lord's harvest, not our harvest. And so that he raised you up for a purpose and he continues that kingdom work through you and through all of his people strategically called to that place. But what struck me most about that passage and I think why the Lord led me to it was not actually the sending out of the 72 but their return. We spend a lot of time preparing to send people out on mission. We don't always spend as much time and effort and sensitivity to what it looks like when people come back from a particular mission assignment. But here in Luke 2, Luke 10, we have some words where Jesus speaks to their returning. If you haven't already, but you'd like to follow along, Luke 10, beginning in verse 17. We read this, the 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. So they've come back from their short-term mission assignment and they're full of excitement at the power of the kingdom of God. They've tasted what what it feels like to have that power and that grace and that love come through them. And it is nothing short of exhilarating brings them great joy. Kingdom ministry, being involved in any sort of way in the Lord's work is the most meaningful and exciting and invigorating work there is. Brings us incredible joy. As Mark talks about it, it it gets us in that right rhythm of pouring out and being poured into, pouring out, being poured into. And I know that St. Patrick's, you all have experienced that joy over these years of kingdom ministry. But this type of ministry, and especially the ministry of church planting, which you all have been doing, is exhausting. It leads to high levels of burnout because you're giving your whole self. And I've watched that with St. Patrick's, people giving it all, coming and setting up things and preparing meals. For five years, every Sunday, people preparing these incredible meals so they could feast together after the worship in this neighborhood. You give of your financial resources your emotional, your relationships, you set up things a lot. 
72 came back. They just had a short-term assignment. They're still full of excitement, but I trust if Jesus had left them out there a little longer and called them to plant a church, their joy would have been mixed with some weariness and probably some disappointment. Well, in verse 18, we've heard about their experience, but now we get to see Jesus' experience. You ever thought about that? We focus a lot on what it's like for us as we go out in the mission, as we do some sort of church work. Have you ever thought about what it's like for Jesus? What's going on in his heart and mind and emotions? Well, he tells us. Verse 18. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Literally, I was watching Satan fall. Now, this is where the passage gets really interesting, different interpretations around this. But I think at bare minimum, it means this. As his disciples went out from village to village to bear witness to the kingdom of God, Jesus was watching something happen in the spiritual realm. He was watching Satan's authority be challenged. He was watching Satan lose control. He was watching Satan in retreat. Because that's what happens when disciples do kingdom ministry in Jesus' name. Can't be two kingdoms. So if God's kingdom is coming in, Satan's kingdom is in retreat. Mark and Jess, the moment that you moved into that neighborhood and you began to pray and to serve your neighbors, Satan's work started to unravel, continues to unravel. St. Patrick's, your ministry, although small in the world's eyes, was sending shockwaves into the spiritual realm. You couldn't always see that. Jesus could see it. When you tutored a child, when you preached the gospel, when you celebrated communion, when we, you did that beautiful meal after the worship service, when you gathered for prayer, when you held a VBS, the kingdom of God was breaking in to East Charlotte, and the kingdom of Satan was coming undone. You didn't get to always see it. We don't always get to see results in ministry, but Jesus sees it. Jesus rejoices in it, and I hope that deepens your joy and gives you hope. So there's a lot of joy in kingdom ministry. There's a lot of joy in being used by God in these powerful ways, and that continues. But here's the funny thing. That's not our ultimate source of joy. I think Jesus knows that in the long term, results in ministry being used by God is wonderful, but it's not finally where we should ground our joy. And so Jesus takes his disciples in a different direction. Verse 20. He says, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The source of joy is having your names written in heaven. Verse 21, Jesus himself begins to rejoice in the Holy Spirit. And what does he rejoice in? Their quote-unquote success in ministry, the size of their church, the number of children served or converts made. As good as those things are, that's not what Jesus is rejoicing in in that moment. Look at verse 21 and following. He says, in that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. And I love that picture. Just imagine Jesus rejoicing in the Holy Spirit. And he said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. 
All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Do you catch the repeated word there? It's the word reveal. Jesus is rejoicing that the full revelation of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, has been revealed and received by these disciples as little children. Not being too proud, not being too haughty, but receiving that. In short, they know him, they know God. And then verse 23, Jesus turns to his disciples and he says this blessing over them, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. So what is the ground of joy? What is the foundation of joy? It's that we know Jesus. It's that we've seen him with the eyes of our hearts, that we're in fellowship with the triune God, that our names are written in heaven. It's eternally secure. We're knowing it now, we're experiencing it now, and it will go on in increasing measure into eternity. That's where Jesus says, ground your joy. That's what he tells to the returning disciples after their mission. And that's critical for anyone, whether it's St. Patrick's or King of Kings or missionaries or whatever kind of work you're involved with. We need to know that source of joy. It's exciting to be used by God. But it's coming back, just like Mark said, and being renewed and refreshed and seeing God again. That our joy is replenished. So what now for St. Patrick's and for King of Kings? Well, St. Patrick, as Mark has noted, it's in a transition. It's not going to continue as a church in that traditional sense. But as Mark and I talked about it, it feels like, and you heard it from him this morning, there's ongoing energy for mission, for ministry in East Charlotte. A number of people still live over on that side of town. Other people are invested in continuing to want to invest, even if they don't live there. And so as we talked about it, it seemed like the best form for that would be a missional pastorate of King of Kings. And most of you know what pastorates are, but just in case, our pastorate is kind of like our version of a home group. It meets in an every other week rhythm. We gather together around a meal, around worship, around prayer. St. Patrick's is going to fall into that rhythm. They already have. They're going to meet every other Sunday evening, afternoon, and they're going to continue to do their prayer and mission and fellowship in that neighborhood. And let me say, I'm excited about this for King of Kings, for how that can spill over into our life together and help us connect with areas and issues which are just, we don't have as much interaction with. Pulling us into a pilgrimage, pulling us out of our comfort zone. I encourage some of you to go over in East Charlotte. It's a pilgrimage. It's not that far, and yet it's a pilgrimage to cross 74 and to get into a very different place of Charlotte. I hope that their missional zeal inspires us and spurs us on. But let me say to those who were part of St. Patrick's, um, I would love for King of Kings to become your church home, your worshiping home, the place where you are regularly filled up and revealed the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We'd love to have you be part of this church family, for some of you to come back in because it was your church family in the past. I think God could do something very, very powerful in bringing these two groups together. But I would invite you to a season of resting. doesn't mean the mission stops, but there is a moment that you need, you need to rest. You need to let your joy be replenished because what you've done is very difficult. You have been poured out for years. 
And you may need to just revitalize your joy by seeing Jesus afresh and delighting yourself in Father, Son, and Spirit. God has often continues to use King of Kings to be a blessing to people who are coming off of a mission assignment, one way or another. I don't know why he chose to use us that way, but he does over and over and over. And so whether or not this is going to be your long-term church home, and trust that God will give you discernment of that in the future, please use us as a place of rest, as a place of joy, as a place to land for a while. We want to be that for you. And finally, the King of Kings, I would say to you all, welcome these people, honor them, pray for them, build them up, invite them into your homes, into your hearts, into your relationships, and let us continue to walk forward on this pilgrimage, on this mission, on this blessing of knowing God and sharing that with the world. Let's pray.